today we are in Philippians chapter 2, looking at the mind of Christ, beginning in verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Lord, may your spirit fall on this place today. In a powerful way through your word, may you speak to our hearts. May you bless these people as we come to your word. And may each of us walk out of here with at least one nugget, one thing that you would speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. Good to be with you. Uh, we've been traveling a little bit. Uh, We've been, I've been to California and Florida since i last seen you. Spoke in California at a church, went on vacation in Florida. That's confusing, I know, but it was fun. Uh, as, you, as we read that passage, I want to I come today, and, and we're kind of beginning the Christmas season, right? This is, it's after Thanksgiving, right? So now you're allowed to listen to Christmas music, although it started before Thanksgiving. Certain stations have been playing it for weeks and weeks, and I like some of the Christmas music. I didn't like hearing Santa Claus is coming to town on my way to church today on a Christian station. That wasn't my favorite thing uh, because that's not really the kind of Christmas music. I mean, it's a fun song and all that, but, you know, I know I'm, I'm probably going to mess with somebody's head today. Sorry. Um, but you can, you can listen to Christmas songs. You can, you can watch Christmas movies. Guys, it's good to watch a Christmas movie with your wife. Uh, Hallmark and all that, and, and you can drink eggnog. That's, that, that's now official. That we're after Thanksgiving, it's eggnog time. I, I don't happen to like eggnog, but you can drink eggnog. And then, of course, you can eat Christmas cookies. And that's what was going on at my house yesterday. My wife was making Christmas cookies all day for the competition. So if she doesn't win, I've got a lot of work to do when we get home. I'm really going to have to comfort her because she works so hard to make these wonderful Christmas cookies. And so, Mike, she's your mother. And uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, you'll make my life a lot easier. That's what's important. Uh, and so it is that season. And we're beginning this season. But here's the thing I want you to focus on. Because as fun as Christmas songs are and Christmas movies and Christmas cookies and eggnog and all those things... There also is a very easy, it's a very easy time to lose our focus, to focus on the presents and the, 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 the gifting and the, the shopping and the, uh, the craziness, even the family contacts, right? Even 
as we go and we visit with family, it can be going overwhelming and our focus can be lost. Our focus can turn to the commercial side of things. My purpose today is to call us as a church and you personally and myself as I studied this to focus on the real meaning of Christmas, Jesus Christ. And so we heard our passage where it begins, it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We are to know him. We are to know his will. In fact, the next chapter of Philippians, he'll say, to know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. See, having the mind of Christ begins with a knowledge of Christ. In fact, it begins with faith in Christ. Right, in each, each one of us, I mean, first service folks, you, you're, you're, you're probably born again. I mean, I would say more born again in first service than second service. I'll tell second service that the other way around, but you know, you know that's what we do. But you know, the, you, you guys, you know the Lord. You have faith in Christ. And if you don't, certainly we want to help you get there. We want to lead you to that faith in Christ. And I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about that personal relationship with him. And that's where it's so important to see that you begin with that, with the mind of Christ begins with that. I want to read to you, and you can turn there if you want to, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, and just how, how this is so important to see what happens when you get the mind of Christ. It says there in verse 9, it says, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have they entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. I hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, but you have. In other words, the point is, Paul is making there is that you have seen the mind of Christ. You have seen the truths of Christ as a believer. He goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 2, for what man knows the things of man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might know, look at this, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which of man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them, for they're spiritually discerned. But he who has spirit, is, is spiritual judges all things, and yet he himself is rightly judged. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we, listen, we have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. The mind of the spirit, the mind that, that has an attitude like Christ's attitude, a mind that, that has that same uh, outlook on life as Christ did. Not a selfish outlook, outlook, but a selfless outlook. What does it mean to have the mind of Christ? It means as Jesus, he says the Holy Spirit was partakers, we are partakers of the divine nature, Peter says. We have this divine nature within us. The Holy Spirit lives inside you. There's been a deposit made into your life, in my life. And it's so powerful to dwell on this and to consider this, that this is the mind of Christ. 
And in a sense, you know, an interesting illustration of this, it's kind of like your mind is a computer and the Holy Spirit is sort of your antivirus program. You know, and, and, and it can be uploaded into the human nature, human hard drive. And you guys all need an upload of the Holy Spirit. We all do. And once it is uploaded, the mind can then affect the computer system, taking all the harmful applications out and replacing them with good functional applications. And in continuing that analogy, thinking that the mind of Christ rewrites our hard drives so that we are capable of understanding and interfacing with God himself. You see, you have the mind of Christ. You're communing with Christ. And it means that you gain new desires, new qualities. You, you actually can experience the character qualities of Christ. And one is found here in our text in verse 5 where it says, let this mind, let, uh, the, the idea of humility, just humbling yourself. And then compassion. You know, it says that Jesus saw the multitudes as sheep having no shepherd, and he had compassion on them. And the idea of compassion is kind of putting yourself in their shoes and seeing them the, the way that, that, that they need to be seen. Meeting people where they are. And then, of course, when you have the mind of Christ, you have the fruit of the Spirit, of the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is all part of who you are now as a believer in Christ. And you have a new purpose. As a believer in Christ, it tells us Jesus came to seek and save those who were lost. When you have the mind of Christ, you have your heart on seeing people come to Christ, seeing people saved, seeing people redeemed, seeing lives changed, you see. That's the mind of Christ. And when you have the mind of Christ, like John says, you don't love the world or the things in the world because the things in the world are the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Your mind changes. You think differently. And the more you seek to have the mind of Christ, the more you deposit these things into your life, the less the world is attracted to you. But it comes through faith in Christ. He who has the Son has life. You need to have the Son of God in your life. Paul said in Romans, through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the glory of God. The mind of Christ, the good news is the mind of Christ is not reserved for perfect people. Because I know none of you are perfect. Certainly I'm not perfect. Ask my wife. Any believer has access to the mind of Christ. See, this is the thing, guys. We can live our lives being directed, being guided, being fully influenced by the Spirit of God, the mind of Christ. And Paul exhorts us to do so. And in Romans, he exhorted us to say, I, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Your mind. 
your mind. We have to change our mind and, and have this mind of Christ leading us. And if you belong to God, you actually have the mind of Christ. And you will be changed. But the question is, will you allow the programming to happen now? Will you let the program run, his program, in your heart, in your mind? And so we see that Jesus here, and this is an incredible picture as we consider the Christmas season of who Christ is and what, what is it that he did and it correlates with what we can be doing to have the mind of Christ. And we see, first of all, it says who Jesus was in the form of God, being in the form of God. What does that mean? What that, in essence, means is this. He was fully God. Jesus never ceased to be God when he became a man. He's 100% man and 100% God. And though being in the form of God, he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. It's the idea this form is an outward expression of an inward nature. From eternity past, Christ has always been in the form of God. He is part of the triune God. He is the second person of the Trinity. He is God the Son. And he's equal with God. He is God, and yet he laid something aside, it tells us in this text. He had the very nature of God. By the way, don't we sometimes get a warped view of the nature of God? Do you get this? Sometimes I do. I think sometimes that that I make God after my own, own image. I think people do this. We make God after our image. And, and, and we make him more harsh than he is at times, and sometimes we make him more soft than he is. It, usually it's more harsh when it comes to somebody else and more soft when it comes to us, right? Like, we'll, we'll easily say, oh, God, I ought to get them. And then when we're doing the same thing, we're like, oh, Lord, please, I didn't mean it. the nature of God is revealed to us in the nature of Jesus Christ. He is fully human. Again, in Luke chapter 1, when we see the Christmas story, it says, and he will be great and he will be called the son of the highest and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And in essence of deity, the angel answers and says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. And the Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. When you're called the Son of God, you are God. But yet this privilege and this status that he had in all the glory of who he is and who he was from eternity past, all that glory, all that status, he laid aside to become a man. Now, does that mean he stopped being God? No. He laid aside an aspect of his glory. It's it's hard to grasp this. But he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Other other versions say he existed in the form of God, but did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Or though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. 
He had all the glory of heaven with the Father and the Spirit, and yet it says that he laid it aside. Something selfishly to be held on. He did not selfishly hold on to his glory, and he did that so that he could come to you and I and die for us. In other words, Jesus didn't think of himself. He thought of you. And when we have the mind of Christ, we're not thinking of ourselves, we're thinking of others. And the idea of that would be that I don't keep my privileges for myself. I must do for others and do this. I will gladly lay aside my life and pay whatever price is necessary for others. That's what Jesus did. And he was equal with God, clearly, because the disciples said, who, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. you have, you've had a revelation of God, of who I am. Even his enemies said that he was fully God. When Pilate asked him, are you the son of God? Jesus said, it is as you say. And in his death, his equality was was clearly shown when he said to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. He showed his deity. He revealed that he was God. But he laid aside his privileges as God, his status in heaven in order to redeem us to himself. And he did this, by the way, listen, there's an aspect of this that Jesus did for all eternity because I want you to understand something. Jesus Christ is still a man right now. He physically rose from the dead, and he physically is a man seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father in heaven. Jesus didn't cease to be man. He's still fully man, fully God. Now, he will be a glorified man. When he returns, he will come in a glorified human state. And that's why it says every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess, because we're going to see a man like we've never seen before. But in his deity, Jesus never did one miracle in his deity. Remember he said, I always do those things that please my father. Remember he said that, that, that it was about what his service to the father and, and that when he did his miracles, he was actually doing them in the power of the spirit. He functioned fully in the power of the Holy Spirit in every aspect in his life. And laying aside this, this, this deity, or not, excuse me, not deity, his glory, there's a picture of this in John 13 that I want you to see that is amazing to me. It's something I just really saw for the first time after reading this so many times through the years and studying this. There's an aspect of this that's amazing. When you look at John 13, and John 13 is the story there where it says, supper being ended in verse 2. The devil, however, already put in, into the heart of Judas Iscariot and Simon's son to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God. So in other words, he had everything. He, was, he had all the power in the world. And knowing he had all that, he rose from supper, and notice this wording, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. This is a picture of what Jesus did with his glory. He laid aside his garments. 
He laid aside the garments of his glory in order to become a servant. And it says after that, he, he poured water in a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which he was girded. And when he got to Peter, you remember this story. He gets to Peter, Lord, Peter says, Lord, wash me all over. Jesus says, uh, what I'm doing, I, 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 I do, uh, you don't understand. And then Peter says, you'll never wash my feet. And then he says, wash me all over. I mixed it up. You're never going to wash my feet, Lord. Okay, then if you got to do it, do it all. <laughs> well, <laughs> Jesus says, you're already clean through the word, but not completely. And he washed the disciples' feet and he washed Peter's feet. And he said, if I do not do this, you have no part of me. In other words, if you don't see my servanthood, if you don't experience this and serve one another, you're not really believing. You're not really trusting. You're not really walking unless you're serving the Lord with your life. I want you to note also, it says that Jesus did this as an example, and people like to use this as an example, but he didn't only do this as an example. He actually washed all their feet. You know, an example would be, give me one foot, okay, do a few toes, all right, you guys get it? You do it now. No, no, he continued the job and finished the job. He finished the work that the Father had sent him to do. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Are you willing to lay aside your garments? Well, what do I mean by that? What are the garments that, that burden us? Our garments are our flesh. Will you lay aside your flesh? Will you lay aside your desires? Will you lay aside what you, what, whatever is your most important thing that you want and serve others? That's what Jesus did. You want to really make Christmas shine this year in your life? Become a slave. Oh. Great, Pastor Chris. Thanks so much. I've always wanted to grow up and be a slave. <laughs> you know, ask your kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? A slave. But that's what Jesus did. He came. The, 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 the distance that Jesus came from heaven to earth in becoming a man and becoming a servant and then going to the cross is so far, far extreme, it's unfathomable to us. Think of it this way, you become a maggot to meet maggots, and then you give your life to die for maggots as a maggot, and that's not even close to what he did. He had such humble obedience, and it says, he made himself of no reputation I don't know about you, but I'm into reputation. I like people to think highly of me. I like people to like me. Don't you like people to like you? And you should like people to like me because it's about me. <laughs> See, we're into reputation. But he made himself of no reputation. If Jesus wanted to have a good reputation, he would have come and been born in a castle to the king and the queen. But no, he was born in a barn. He was born and laid in a feeding trough 
we glorify that scene, guys. We make it this sanitary thing. It stunk. It was, it was not clean. We just saw the, the Chosen movie this week. Those of you who went, I, I went this week, and it was fascinating. And one of the things they were doing is when Joseph came into the cleaning, into the, the stable, the first thing he had to do was clean it up. And they show him sweeping and getting rid of piles of manure. We don't think about that in the manger scene. We don't think, wow, you know, they had to clean the manure before they could bring, bring Mary in there. They had to find a clean place to lay down. They had to clean out the feeding trough and get the stuff out of there and put some fresh straw if they could find it to put Jesus in there after he was swaddled with sheep swaddling cloth. That's in essence what he was swaddled with. The same thing they would swaddle a baby sheep with, a lamb, another interesting picture there. We sanitize it. He came to a humble household that was poor all their life. His mother was of questionable reputation. Think of, you know, she's 14 years old, 15 years old. She's betrothed to a man. And she comes to her mom and dad and says, something's happened. Really? Yes, I'm going to have a baby. Uh Uh-oh. Where's Joseph? Oh, it wasn't Joseph. Oh, that's even worse. <laughs> Who was it? Oh, this sweet 14-year-old girl says, it was the Holy Spirit. Call the doctors. <laughs> Get her some drugs or something. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's the, think of this, the reputation she would have. Jesus' reputation What would the names Jesus have been called? I'm not going to say them. You know what they are. Even in his adult life, he was still referred to in that way by the religious leaders. We were not born of fornication, they said to him. What do you think they meant? Born in Bethlehem, a few miles from Jerusalem. His birth announcement was to a, a bunch of shepherds. You know, when, when the, they were nobodies. When, when shepherds were around, people were watching their wallets. That's what shepherds were about. Like, this is, this is who Jesus connected with. This is how he came to this world. He came, he lived in Nazareth, which was a, a low-class hamlet it was, a, it was, you know, can any good thing come out of Nazareth, Nathaniel would later say. <laughs> You're kidding me. You're from Nazareth? It's like you don't want to tell people where you're from when you're from Nazareth. And he came in the form of a bondservant in the likeness of, of man, a house slave, and, and he was a servant then, and he's a servant still. 
And his greatest act of servanthood was not John 13 when he washed the disciples' feet, but it was in fact when he voluntarily of his own choice went to the cross and allowed them to nail the nails in his hands and the nails in his feet. And he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And he didn't have to do it. We just recently studied in John 18 when they came to arrest him and he stood up and said, I am, and they all fell backwards because he was revealing his power and his glory. He didn't have to do it. When Peter pulled out his little dagger knife and stabbed that guy, Jesus said, I could call down legions of angels who would defend me. No, he voluntarily went to the cross because he loves you and me. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. A mind that is willing to give even your life if necessary. We have brothers and sisters throughout the world who are doing just that, don't we? Giving their life for the gospel because they're saying they believe in Jesus. And he humbled himself to the point of obedience to the cross and he lived his life obediently. You remember how he was subject to his parents when he went down with them to Nazareth, when he was 12 years old, and they couldn't find him, and they, they found him, and he, it says, and he subjected himself to his parents and went to Nazareth. He was obedient. He was obedient even unto baptism when he came to the Jordan River. And he said, you know, John said, I don't need to, be, I don't need to baptize you. I need to be baptized of you. <laughs> and Jesus said, let this be done to fulfill all righteousness. In laying down his life on the cross, John 10, 15 says that the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down up by myself. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. And it was necessary for your redemption and my redemption. Luke 24 says that thus it is written and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and rise from the dead. Now watch this in regarding to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Go back to Philippians 2 with me for a moment. And I want you to see verse 12. He says, therefore, my beloved, this is right after he's just said, verses 5 to 11, we just read that earlier. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men, coming in the appearances of man. He humbled himself, 
to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, given them the name which is above every name, that at every, at, 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 at every knee would bow and every tongue would confess. Then he says, therefore. Since all that's true, therefore. Remember the therefore. You ask what it's there for? Remember, it's, it's a hinge that to, to a door, and it's bringing you to the next point, but it's looking back on the last point. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to both will and to do for his good pleasure. You have the mind of Christ. Now work it out. Work it out, even to the point of death if need be. Let this mind be in you this Christmas. The mind of Christ, the Messiah, your Savior. The mind that laid aside his glory and majesty to become a man. Will you lay aside your garment today? The garment of the flesh? The garment of what, whatever you're into, will you lay it aside and will you let this Christmas be about serving others? And I will tell you, if you struggle with your family, when you go and have dinner with them on Christmas Day or Christmas week, and you know there's all these drama things going on with unbelievers and you're trying to walk on eggshells, go with the attitude of serving them and you will change the atmosphere in the relationships. I've given this illustration before, but I'll give it again. I had a very difficult relationship with my in-laws because of my, really, justifiably, because of my own reputation. I got my wife pregnant before we were married. That's how we ended up coming to Christ. And that's how, uh, you know, we, we, we also alienated her family. And I had a very hard relationship for 15 years especially with my mother-in-law. And, and I would pray about it sometimes, but literally every time we would go to the house and be coming home from North Jersey, and they've gone on to be with the Lord now, but when we would come, we would come home, and my wife and I would have intense fellowship in the car almost every time. And then the Lord spoke to my heart. And it was this kind of thought. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Serve her. That was the words I heard from the Lord. I didn't even know what that meant at first. Now, my mother-in-law's Italian mama. She, she rules the kitchen. She ruled a lot of things, but she ruled the kitchen absolutely. So the next time we went to that house, I, said, I went into the kitchen, and I said, I'm here to help you. And she said, get out of my kitchen. <laughs> and I said, I'm not leaving. And I sat down at a chair in the kitchen. And she kept about her things. And all of a sudden, she turned around and said, well, if you're going to sit here, cut this bread. And I cut the bread. And if you're going to sit here, then cut these vegetables. And I cut the vegetables. And then that went on. And then after supper, I got up. And in the Italian household, the men sit at the table. They get their anisette, you know, and they, they get their coffee, and they don't do anything. And mama gets up, and all the women get up, and I get up and start clearing the table. My brother-in-laws wanted to kill me. 
And I'm, you know, doing a little. And, and look, it didn't take much. I'm not tooting my horn. It took me 15 years to get this. <laughs> I finally, I go do it. All of a sudden, my mother-in-law says, hey, did you see my son-in-law over here? She's cutting me the cake, the bigger piece over to Chris. <laughs> it broke the, the, the struggle in our relationship. And we grew to love each other. And I remember the year before she died, or maybe it was two years, we were together and I was talking about a struggling relationship that I was having. And she said, well, we had that and we've learned to love each other. And in essence, she was telling me she loved me. It wasn't me. It was what Jesus did. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Have the mind of Christ. You realize we're only here for a season. The, the Bible says that, that the, the Christian life, the, the life of a believer, all of our lives, it's like a vapor. You realize your life is like that hairspray you put on your head today, ladies? It's like, psst, that's it. That's your life. Make it count. What are you guys making me do up here? <laughs> And how do you do this? How do you become more like Christ? How do you become, how does this happen in your life? Well, there's some things you can do to make sure this is happening. First of all, ask the Lord to do it. Pray like I did and say, Lord, make me more like you. And, and he will. But secondly, guys, can I give you just a couple little other little hints? Read your Bible. This book actually has answers in it. If you get to know this book, you're getting to know Christ. Especially the Gospels. Read them. Get in the Word of God. And then not just read it, but apply it to your life. James says, be doers of the Word, not just hearers only. Don't just read it. Read it and do it. And then, you know, Paul said, be imitators of me as I am an imitator of Christ. You have somebody you look up to that imitates the Lord, imitate them. You say, oh, that person's a strong Christian. Great. Get close to them and do what they do. And then, you know, we can encourage one another. It says in Hebrews 10, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Let's get a love and good works competition going. Let's try to out-love each other. To out-love, maybe you show how you can do it for your family and then how they do it. Get a prayer partner and say, hey, I'm serving and my family, it's amazing what God's happening. Or they're still acting like jerks, but I love them anyway. <laughs> Whatever it may be. And by the way, in that passage, it says, not neglecting the meeting together as is in the matter of some. Boy, do we need to know that we need to meet together. Amen? The church of Jesus Christ will, will stay together. We need to be together, you guys. And this past year has shown us our great need for that. 
And realize when you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. You seek the Lord. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. We should desire to become more like Christ. We should desire the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you. John Wesley wrote in, a, in, a, in the Christmas hymn, Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. He did it. He did it for you and I. Now let's serve him. Amen? Father, we thank you. We pray that you'd speak to each of us through these passages. You'd help us to apply something to our lives today. And Lord, I pray for every person in this room. I pray that each of us would, would respond now to your, your spirit. And as we call the worship team forward, wherever they are, and they're up having bagels or whatever. Come on, you guys. Uh, if, you, if you're right with the Lord and you're doing well in the Lord and you're serving the Lord, great. Praise God. Keep doing it. Go forward. But if some of this has really spoken to your heart today, I want you to take a moment and pray it in. I want you to, to have a sort of Selah moment, if you will. Like the psalm says, when you meditate on a psalm, there's a Selah moment. So have that, that moment today where you, you wait on the Lord and you listen. Don't just say, oh, it was a, it was a sermon and oh, wasn't that a cute story and, and, and I, I cried a little bit or whatever. Listen, apply it in your heart right now. Take it and pray it in. So let's everybody bow our heads and close our eyes. And, and, and as we begin to do this, let me just say, if you don't know Christ, you can do all this outward service, but if you don't know Jesus, it's just outward service. You need that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He came to die for you. He rose again from the dead, and he will deposit his Holy Spirit in your life if you will open your heart and say yes. So remember I said it begins with faith, so if you don't know him, let's start there. And if you don't know him, just say this simple prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I open my life to you now, and I ask you to fill me with your spirit. I ask you to make me the person you want me to be. Take my life. Use my life. Fill my life. Thank you for forgiving me and forgiving me new life because of the cross and because of your resurrection. I open my heart to you. I want to be a Christian today. I want to follow you. Is there anybody today who'd say for the first time they did that just now for the very first time? Everybody else with eyes closed praying, just raise your hand up right now if you prayed that prayer for the first time in your life and committed your life to Christ. As I said, first service people are usually already born again, but we should hit it anyhow. Anybody at all, just raise your hand up. All right, so we all know him. And if you don't know him and you have questions, you're not sure, talk to one of the elders. There's a prayer room. You can go there after service. 
We'll be glad to talk with you. But now, those of you who know him, if God's speaking to you in a special way today, pray that in right now and just say, Lord, I want to apply this message, these truths to my life. Lord, fill me with the mind of Christ. Fill me afresh with your spirit and, and help me to apply this in serving others the way you served others. To become that slave by choice for life. The man, the woman who will look to serve and look to lay their lives down for others. Lord, I confess, certainly I don't always do that and, and I pray you'd help me to do that this Christmas. And I pray for each of my brothers and sisters the same. Bless them now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. May he give you peace this week, guide you in all your ways. Amen.